Folks, I need to start out today with a um, with an announcement. Um, I hate to say this, but it's it's true. Um, I've been redistricted out of the city. I'm in the white suburbs now. I'm sure you guys are aware of this. Um, you guys are acutely aware of this, actually. Um, my rep now is, uh, is Krista Griffith. Uh, it's only fair that when you say you're behind enemy lines in the belly of the Delaware Way beast, that you're now behind enemy lines. Uh, but here's the good news. The good news is my friends on the other side of DuPont Street, uh, my friends in Charlie Square uh, and, and further east, um, are going to have a primary on their hands. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Oh, Friends and comrades, hello, this is Rob. We are in the shadow of Rockford Tower. This is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. I am here in the studio with Super Producer Carl. Hello. And uh, I want to introduce our friend and comrade, city council person, and now uh, primary challenger in the first district. It's the first district? Yeah. In the first district against our friend, uh, our friend... The, the, the landlord's friend, the poet, um, Sinead Darby. Hello, how are you? I am doing good. I'm happy to be here. I think this is my third time on the show. Yeah, every time's been good. I thought. I think. I actually. Not only do I think about the first time often, I mention it too because we have like sort of a unique spot here. We got situated into after doing a couple different things. And the first time you came on, I remember you just sitting down and you just said, it feels like I'm organizing a revolution. And I went, I just think to myself, yeah, that was the sort of the idea of it. And it's sort of slowly coming to fruition, I think. I agree. I agree. And I think um, I never thought about running on a state level. I have a love or obsession with Wilmington, born and raised there. And thinking of anything on the state level for me was just not a thought. And I didn't think of it as a part of the revolution or revolutionary to be on the state level Um, because I'm very local. I think that you can make change on school board and city government level. Uh, But I realized when I was in city council that there were a lot of things on the state level that hindered you on a city council level to get some work done. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons why I said yes to running on the state level. But I, when I think about like revolution, I think it's severally pronged, not just two pronged. But you need different. You need people who are part of the government, outside of the government. You need community organizers. You need everyone working together in different facets. So, and I think this is just another extension as I'm growing and learning that I could use this state-level seat as part of this revolution um, in regards to when I think of Namdi specifically in his position, he thought he was going to have another seat where he was just unopposed, another campaign, another election season. Not this time. You're going to have to work for this one. And I think it's time to say, like, if you're not voting for the people, you're not centered on, you're not community center, we will get somebody to run against you. I love everything you're saying. I, first of all, I agree with you. I mean, the the revolution as a metaphor just means mass movement politics. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean everybody's a politician. doesn't mean everybody works on a campaign. But everybody's doing something sort of to that end. Completely agree. Um, I guess here, well, first question is, when did, before we talk about sort of uh, Namdi and what's going on in the neighborhood, what, what's been happening, and maybe this is all tied in, like, was there a moment where you decided, like, I'm going to do this? Like, it's just, so, or was it something you were pondering and pondering, and finally you came to a conclusion, or, 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 like, how did you, how did you make the make the decision? I didn't even think about it honestly um, until um, after session, probably like a day after session was over, probably like July first, July second. I get a call from Kobe Owens, and he's like, "Yo, you gotta run against Namdi." 
We have nobody else. Like, we need you. We think you got the best shot. And at first, I wanted to say no. Um, so it wasn't something I pondered on at all. Usually, it actually, he called me within, like, 30 minutes. I said yes to him to do it. So it was that type of decision. And I was just like, you know what? Really, like, fuck it. Like, what do I got to lose either way if I win, lose, if I challenge him or not? And what really got me is that, um, that really made me say yes is that I feel like with the eminent domain legislation, a lot of people just not feeling Namdi right now, right? And I think he's starting to be exposed to the community on, like, who he is as a legislator, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that was kind of my question. And, and, and I think this was a great lead into it. I talked to James Taylor last week, and he uh, is, has a campaign just across the uh, across the line here uh, against another person who you know sort of has name recognition, has been in the community a long time, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's a dynamic between his incumbent challenger and and the community that he has to sort of like figure out how to address, and so. What is that with Namdi with you? Like, is this, did, do you, you sort of alluded to it. And so I guess I, I'm interested in you sort of going further with it. I mean, right. did the community not know he was sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, attached to the establishment that, I mean, I, I would have assumed that they did, but, uh, but that's just an assumption I would make. Maybe they just thought, oh, he's the guy. And then it became clear, no, this guy's on like the landlord side. This guy's on the cop's side. Right. Like, it's not really on your side. So, I think that um, Namdi, I don't know him personally, but he seems like a very, like, quiet guy. I think he stayed under the radar. Like, he didn't make too much noise. Like, he stayed almost in the middle on everything. Like, I'm not going to say too much. I'm not going to say anything. You know, I'm just going to stay right here. Like, he was real chill. He's a real chill guy. So, I think that um, he was able to cruise through. So, if you're not paying attention to politics... You think of Namdi, the community person that we know, right? And I grew up knowing Namdi and his brother as a com- as community leaders. Like I will never take that from them, right? Um, they were they brought arts to to the community to kids who lived in like Riverside and different communities in Wilmington who needed arts, right? They came to my high school. They were reciting poetry, right? Inspired me in the writing that I do. So it's like I would never deny that, right? However, I think when people think of Namdi, they think of that. They don't think of the Namdi that is today. And I think sometimes when we grow and get into different positions, we some people lose where they came from. They forget, and they get in. Um, they get influenced, or I don't even know the right word, but I think some people get taken away with the power that comes with the position. Um, oh, sure. I mean, yeah. I think some people get, let's be honest, they're co-opted, you know, in different ways and to different, right. to different degrees. They are, you know, to have, to be able to wield any kind of power, you have to sort of play ball. And so, yeah, you have somebody who's, who's aligning with, you know, people that we would, I don't think are aligned with the people. And, right. so, and so you, I don't, I think you, you have the best intentions. I mean, I've, I've met Namdi and his brother out before I knew them as community leaders, when I just knew them as poets, I met them at the Jackson Inn. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they were just real chill, real quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, they just wanted to do their thing and talk about their thing and split. Now, I'm sure that they both are, you know, uh, ambitious people and, and they, they mm-hmm. like, you know, having some sort of uh, position of leadership or power. Um, and so you, it's very easy to just sort of, like, go along to get along. And all of a sudden, you're you're the, the face of it. I was surprised. Um you know, he he did turn up at a community meeting and really got really got rinsed, um, and it, it seemed like no no one no one else really even stepped up. Everybody else just kind of bailed on it, um, but he didn't and really took one on the chin. Uh, is that still resonating in the community? Him standing up and doing that. I mean, you kind of alluded to eminent domain before, but yeah. furthermore, he 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 got he tried to like be the spokesperson for it in front of the whole community, and it did not go well. Yeah, so that legislation, uh, the eminent domain, at the last minute in May, there's this piece of legislation from the mayor administration asking for city council to support. Um, It was residency and eminent domain. So they went around calling. 
And uh, John Rago called me and I told him, I will never sign a letter and be on anything with y'all. <laughs> like, I don't, even, I don't even know why you're calling me with this. Like, you know, this what's, what's, what Shanae is saying here right now is a lesson for all of you. That's correct. That's the correct answer. I said I would never. And, I, and then even with the residency piece, I told him, I said, you know, I believe in the idea of city council having more power and making decisions on things, right? And I said, even residency, I think, you know, we should decide that as a council. But am I going to sign a letter with y'all stating that I believe that with the same? Because our intentions are different, right? So we might believe in the same thing, like, oh, city council should make decisions about residency. But your intentions to why you want to do that is different than my intentions. So I would never get on a letter with you guys, even if we do agree on that we should have this certain power, certain legislation. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing it. But um, in May, this eminent domain, so I'm like, write a letter down and let the legislators know we don't want it. I'm calling my legislators I have relationships with and telling them we don't want eminent domain the way that um, they, they have it currently written. Originally, it was a Bud Frill legislation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We were we, we caught wind of it as, as Bud was bringing it around because Bud at that time, you know, we had that situation here where... You know, old Jerry, he uh, he had to go to a farm upstate. And so the party basically picked the person uh, who was yep. going to be the person who, who was a, not the person we would have wanted. Yep. And just wanted a, wanted a caretaker boss to not do anything. But then all of a sudden he's running around with, with uh, Przicki BPG legislation getting people to fucking sign off on it. Yep. And then giving it to Namdi to put his name on it. Yep, that was I about... said it before, mm -hmm. I, 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 and I wonder what your question, I forget who I said it to, but Namdi should really feel like he got, he got fucking used a little he bit. He was used. He became the black face, and that's what happens in a lot of spaces is that what happens, they'll try to put a black face on a piece of legislation to, to appease the people because sometimes when you you put a white face on it auto, automatically we're thinking gentrification white people trying to take care of over our neighborhoods that's what we think right but if you put a black face that might deter people from that immediate thought right so they were very strategic in selecting namdi who is a community considered a community leader a black face in front of the Wilmington community, which is primarily black and brown people, to say we should do eminent domain in our neighborhoods, right? Um, so I think that was strategic. Um, and but Namdi was used. He he was the black face for that legislation. Um, and it's sad to see someone from his background be used that way. But we don't know what he's getting or if he is getting anything. We don't know from. The administration, and we know he's connected to Mike Przicki. We know he's connected to BPUG. We know all of these things. So I, that's how I feel about, like, the eminent domain. It came out of nowhere. And then what really made me upset is that usually eminent domain is used for public use. Like, hey, we need to build a hospital, a library. Uh, like, it's not used for private use. So they wanted to switch it so that it could be used for private use. And all I thought was BPG, developers, 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 and all they're going to do is repeat. And we can't, it's people say, you're just, you, some people say, you don't know what they're going to do. All I have is but the history, right? So if somebody keeps doing something over and over and over and over, that's their pattern. And I can't expect it to change if they say they're not even going to change, right? So I think they're going to do the same thing they were doing in the riverfront, other neighborhoods that are close by to of the course, riverfront. Of course, of course. They're not going to do anything. there. That's their business. Yep. Their business is to attract, um, you know, uh, rich people that would go to Philly and live, maybe live here a little bit, or people who are going to come here and do contract work, uh, you know, and live here a year or two. And, you know, they want it to have, like, the veneer of hipness somewhere. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. There, there are people who make this idea that, like, well, you don't know what they're going to do. You know, you're making assumptions of how it's going to be used. Look, we know what you do. Like, save that for the rubes. Mm -hmm. No one's buying that. Yeah, not buying like, it. Like, you might get one past us and be able to do something, and, and you're going to. But no one's buying that because that's exactly what they're going to want to do. You're going to get a new Bar Bardea 3. Uh, you'll get Candlepin Bowling. Uh, you'll get, uh, you know. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, I feel like uh, Mike and Kizuki, you'll and you'll yeah. probably get the the black shirt uh, security guys and the downtown visions patrolling your streets. Yeah, so that would be fun too. That would That's, be fun. Everybody's really looking for that. And he, I feel like um, our mayor is like on this. I don't know. He's like a development monster. Like I envision like a cartoon of like him just 
<laughs> like over the city, like just mass development. He even went into the eighth district, which is predominantly white, and his base, and he pissed them off. Like, are you running? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I think I, I think you're right. I said something. We we went to, and it's it's come full circle now because of the the old nineteenth um, century fire station that's on Gilpin in Forty Acres is finally being redeveloped into, I think, a private residence, but it's pretty fancy. And they are restoring the building, which is pretty cool. Um, but when they brought that up originally, one of the options was for the fire department to obtain the building and make it into a museum Historic, and, yeah, and yeah. do training there. They'd have a conference room and all that stuff. And I had an argument with the guy in finance at a Christmas party. I told him it was bullshit. They should give it to them because he said they won't make any money. And I said, all you care about is money. You suck. In any case, during this whole fight, there was a, a – uh, Civic Association meeting at Kitchelines. Mm-hmm. Prisicki's there. Everybody's there. What a, the, the the firefighter? I'm I'm yelling at Prisicki. The firefighters are there trying to get the thing. And I told the I told the guy Mike from the firefighters union. I was like, look, this is your guy. Now again, they they turned on him. Fair enough. But like that was their guy. We 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 elected. Uh, a mayor who is a, a real estate developer, a corporate real estate developer. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. He's the front man, like the he's the the head comms guy and fixer for you know a, a huge real estate enterprise. And so, why would you expect him to? He cannot do any different. And so, it's it's interesting that you said before, like the only real way you can operate in good faith is say, anything that John Rago and Prisicki are on, I'm out. If they're on it, I'm out. Because they don't have the best interests of, they don't have the interests that I have. Mm-hmm. They have different. They have a different set of interests. So that I can't trust them. That's exactly what I say. I cannot trust them. I don't trust the city council that I work on. Um, I don't trust, I don't trust them to make the best decisions for the community. Um, and I say that based on public and private conversations and things that I have witnessed, seen, and heard. Um, so I'll just fall back like, listen, I'm not signing that letter. Y'all got it. But even with this racism, thinking about development in the city of Wilmington, I think that um, specifically the first district has been ignored. So we talk about development, but we don't talk about how in the first district has been ignored. And Namdi, who's friends with, Mike Prezikian now, I don't hear him saying, develop the first district. Give us what we need. We have a North Market Street that's is empty, vacant lots, businesses it's, that's not. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's come up in the news maybe once or twice in the past couple of years about how it's like. And, and I think it usually comes up around the time when the, uh, the duck pin bowling or when the Maker's Alley with the thing, or when something new opens, they're always like, hey, remember we were supposed to do stuff on North Market, Market Street? Street? Yep, on North Side, yep. Not, like, nothing gets done there. And it just, it, you know, it won't. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fake out. It's a razzle-dazzle. Um, and, but it is a shame that even given the opportunity, you didn't see Namdi, f- like, really fight for something like that. Yeah. Which would have been a pretty straightforward... You know, you know he's not going to be a radical person, but that would have been a pretty straightforward thing to do. But he didn't even have the... And someone's so connected. Like, you're so connected to different networks and different people. Like, that should at least been the bare minimum for me. Um, as a legislator, so connected to different people and, and have the influence that he does have that you did not advocate for North Market Street or Concord. Well, I can't say he did not. I'm going to say I do not know of it. Because um, I don't want anyone to, you know, come up and say he did, he did. But I don't well, know. That that would be it. Pr- it would be a pretty nitpicky thing. I mean, the fa- the fact remains that he has not been, you know, he has not been on the record about this kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, I mean, would it be fair to say? I know this was sort of a uh, a more of a, we'll say, last minute decision. So I know our friends at the Working Families Party uh, have endorsed a set of candidates there will be more at some point i mean but it would would it be fair as a shorthand to say like 
as a state legislator, you would be on board with their package. Like when talk about the, because I, I, I wonder whether how it's going, how it's going to, how what, what the issues will be when you go out into the, into the neighborhood. Whether it'll be all sort of um, Namdi and renter stuff, or are you going to sort of venture into the full sort of package of stuff? All right, definitely the full package. So I want my primary focus of my campaign to be what I can do and what I can offer and what my platform is. And then I want the second thing probably, if need be, for me to say, this is how the incumbent voted, right? And I want to keep it strict to the policy. Like, I'm not looking to attack character. I'm not looking to do any of that. But this is how he voted on these things, and this is what I think some of the solutions are. So he voted no to right to counsel. And that, but he has donations from the Real Estate Association, right? So those connections make you think, why did someone we thought would be a yes now all of a sudden turn to a no? Um, he also, um, with the eminent domain, and we don't know how he felt about the Riverfoot Development Corporations making them property exempt um, tax-free, um, which they already are, but codifying it on a state level, um, which was a violation um, in so many ways legally um, on a state and local level. Um, so that legislation was dropped. Um, but when we look at that, I'm focusing on my platform, which I think number one for me is definitely women's issues, right? So that would definitely include abortion assets and services, um, looking at reproductive um, services, especially focusing on black maternal health care, um, focusing on domestic violence legislation. So really focusing and honing in on women's issues, right? That's like, of course, like, you know, because I have black mothers in power. Well, that's what that's <laughs> the perfect. It's almost like, I feel like sometimes people read my notes. I try to cover them so they don't see. I'm not you looking. Must, you must you must have <laughs> known because I'm sure we've talked about it before in here. And um, your affiliation with, and, and with Black Mothers in Power, what you've done there is incredible. However, I want to go one step further because I, I don't know if, if, I, if the compliment I p- paid you was recorded and sent out yet. But in any fashion, I'll do it now. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Meredith Newman did the, the story about abortion access. Yes. Which I think was great. I think it's going to be so important that local journalists do that kind of stuff. So I got to give Meredith a shout out because it came, you know, right on the heels of the road decision, and this was sort of out there, and it and this really does cha- challenge the status quo. Um, and uh, you're featured in it, mm-hmm. um, and I think the message that you are sending out about your personal experience I think is incredibly brave. I think it was incredibly dope. Uh, so I just wanted to pay you that compliment and I hope you can talk on it a little bit as much as you yeah. want to because um, I think it's a real important move um, to start, as you said, like people think things are set, they're not set. There's a lot of things we can do on women's issues right now. Um, you know, you know, Medicaid, Medicare for abortion mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, on all of that. So, um, speak on it. I mean, mm-hmm. what did you know that this was something you wanted to speak on, or or how did how did that how did that work? Because it's it's you know yeah, it's a big decision. So, yeah, big decision. So the Roe versus Wade thing all happened. It was overturned. Um, not before it was overturned. The letter leaked, right? So that was like a big thing. So we're like organizing, getting together, different organizations on like how do we have protests? How do we have this conversation, right? What do, what does Delaware need just in case this happens? So we start having these conversations. And I felt like for me, um, I had gotten an abortion in October um, of 2021. And I feel like for me, this was putting my experience at the forefront for me to keep thinking about it and have these conversations and talk about the barriers that um, I saw or or that I experienced while I was getting it here in Delaware. Because we talk about Delaware and we say, oh, it's codified, it's codified, we're good. No, before Roe versus Wade was overturned, getting an appointment is like, ridiculous like I was just like I can't wait six weeks like I need something a little bit quicker so I had to go to Philadelphia but then I thought I'm sitting here thinking I have the privilege to go 
right? I can drop my kids off and go and come back and pick them up and not have to worry about affecting my pay for work. I didn't have to worry about taking a sick or vacation day. I had somewhere for my kids to go. You know, all of these things. I had a car. I had gas. I had money. I had all of those things to get there, right, to be able to do what I needed to do. But imagine so many other women who don't have those opportunities or barriers who are living right here in the state of Delaware and who probably have to wait for those appointments to happen, who does not have the money to do the abortion, who doesn't have the money or the transportation to get to Philadelphia if they want. Because I wanted specifically for me, I wanted to do the medication abortion. So I was on a time frame and you can only after a certain point, you can do medication after a certain point, you have to do a surgery. Um, Abortion, And I did not want to do that. So for me, it was a time crunch. Um, and I think assets like some other states, they have Medicaid abortion that they can mail to your home. So many different things that can happen that we're just not doing here in Delaware to make it more accessible. So I think that when we're having these conversations about like abortion services, abortion care, we have to talk about that in our state. And they're like funding. Planned Parenthood is like the only place to get an abortion in the state of Delaware. Like, I didn't realize that until it was. I was looking for. It. I was like, "Where do I go?" Planned Parenthood. Okay, okay. Where is there other places I can go? No. So I had to go. I had to go out of state because Planned Parenthood is underfunded. They need more funding and more staff, right? So that people don't have to wait weeks to get an appointment, right? So now, if well, Roe versus Wade is overturned, and let's say our surrounding states they start restricting abortion access, they're going to come to Delaware, and we can't even service who's here. So how are we going to service other people? Right. So it's really important. So like we've been working on like um, a group of us, like the Reproductive Coalition of like ACLU, Delaware Now. Um, Nick Beard is wonderful. She's been working on getting the abortion fund set up, um, working on drafting legislation for us to propose um, in regards to expanding abortion assets here in the state of Delaware. And hopefully we can be like the leading state because I feel like we're really good in that area um, in regards to abortion because a lot of states haven't codified it. Right. A lot of states have not done that. So for Delaware to be there, I think um, I think we could be like the forefront in a lot of legislation around that. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I think the the reason I find it important is sort of like what you said. There's this idea that there's we always have to hedge like are you going to like say abortion? Should you say it's rare? Should you like Planned Parenthood's not a real like activist organization. They just rely on sort of like older um sort of donations and stuff, more traditional like establishment stuff. And it's sort of like, it's intentionally, I mean, unfortunately, it creates a, it creates a, a, the, any shame from society gets exacerbated by the way that they act about abortion. Mm -hmm. They should be saying, yes, on-demand abortion, just like you have any other on-demand medical service. Nobody should be denied medical care that they need for whatever reason. It's called an abortion. That's it. Mm -hmm. But we never talked like that. For 30 years, we talked like a bunch of babies and pretended like if we just if we just were really cool about it, we wouldn't have to worry about it. And now we got to worry about it. And so taking a step like that and just talking about your own experience and putting all of this into context for people who might not get it uh, from somebody who, you know, is a is a leader in the community on a city council and all of this. I just it's 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 really, really great. Yeah. And I and. A lot of people, I didn't think about all of those things and telling my story, but someone had brought it to my attention and said that um, usually when we have the conversation about abortion, right, for a white woman, it's like, oh, my gosh, they, you know, they had an abortion, like, they, like this kind of victim thing. And then when black women do it, it's like, oh, we're lazy, we're having too many babies, we're this, that, and the third. And she said I felt, she felt like my story put it in more of a better context, that you could be a city council person, you could be educated, you could have all these other things like going for you don't have to be uh, the stereotype of what it is to be a black woman who's getting an abortion. And I didn't think about it that way at all. Um, and that's, that's what she took out of that story was like, you are like breaking barriers and courageous for telling your story. Cause it's like hitting a lot of, it's killing a lot of those stigmas um, or stereotypes about black women who get abortions. And I honestly did not think about it that way and telling my story. Actually for me, it was a way for me to get it out off my chest because the conversation just kept coming up. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, 
all right, so what? Are, what? How am I going to process what I went through? And for me, it was just like I just need to get it on my chest and just say I had it. I had an abortion. And then I think a lot of women have abortions and we're like shamed to not talk about it, to never tell our stories. Like a lot of women has never told their stories about abortion. So many women have had abortions and we just don't know. Um, so like I'm hoping that we can open that conversation and, and have these like candid conversations about abortions and what that looks like in our state and what it looks like even for a different woman to tell their stories about it. How do we break, break those stigma? And then also I think for the black community, abortion um, services or care or the his, history of abortions in our state or our country could be, it's like a bat, it's like a, I don't know what to call it because the history of it is like embedded in eugenesis, right? Yeah, of I mean, we have, brown, like, yeah, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have some experience with uh, Planned Parenthood as an organization, and, you know, I traveled with uh, Nurse Susan to many sort of affiliated, you know, conferences and stuff, and met people, so I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I know the whole sort of, uh, the, the root of it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and I can tell you that the the standard response to that is like, yes, that's that's true, yep. um, so that's not great. Um, that's not what the people are talking about now. You know, um, it's, you know, it's not something that's like, it's, it's just a, it's just a, a medical, uh, it's healthcare and a medical procedure mm-hmm. that you can choose to get if you need it or want it yeah, for whatever no. reason. And, and so it's a, but, but yes, a lot of people have a problem with, uh, with the history of, uh, of just abortion services in the United States. Yeah. And I, and I think. What it is currently and what it was, I think it's important. And I think it could be a struggle for a lot of, like, specifically, like, in a black community and having these conversations about abortion and then the role Planned Parenthood falls in. Um, so, like, th- th- it's like that pulling thing, like, historically is better embedded in this, but we need to make sure that black women have access to these things, or all women, too, but specifically black women, because it's connected to black maternal health care. It's, like... There's like a research or study that shows that if we were to restrict abortions, the states that's going to have stricter abortion rates are going to have their infant mortality rates and a black woman dying are going to actually increase in that state. Um, so we're going to see more um, deaths and more um, higher, more um, morbidity rates for black women and black babies in regards to like um, health outcomes. Um, so there's a correlation there. Um, so it's when people are like, how is it connected to black maternal health care? That is how more women are going to have to keep their babies, more black women. They have to experience racism in the healthcare system. And then already what they have historically and genetically and all of these things have to go and face that in the medical care system. And then that's where you get the higher rates of um, infant mortality and black women dying in the healthcare system in the maternal care. So, yeah, I mean, the stories are already coming out now. Yeah. And luckily, journalists are like Meredith and, and, and other local journalists are covering them. Um, but just, you know, issues of the health of the mother. You know, you have uh, different complications, mm-hmm. different things happen. But now doctors are hesitating to to do an abortion because, oh, there's a faint fetal heartbeat or Mm -hmm. this hasn't happened and so the lawyers at the hospital say you can't do this and women are getting sick and you know luckily after a period of time they're i guess have been sick enough or they go across state lines as some victims you know children of rape have had to do um but you know this has only been a few weeks this has happened so this these are going to start to pile up and stories like this are going to be extremely important in the fight to, uh, I mean, just to put this on the forefront to try to start working this back. I mean, it's going to be obviously an extremely difficult fight for a long time. But, um, but it's, you know, it's serious. And when people start speaking about it in a different way, talking about their own personal experience, I think it's a huge part of getting people ready for actually the fight that they're going to have to have to get this right back. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, so definitely I think my story, and it's crazy how everything all came together. So I think even me running for office, I didn't know that story was going to, like, drop, like, a few days before I was going to announce. Like, because I did this, I did that story and interviewed for it before I knew I was running for office and how connected it is to, like, the legislation, the work that I'm going to be doing. So it's kind of all just fell in place for me. 
And I think a lot, like I got a lot of reach outs um, from people just appreciating uh, me for telling my story on social media, on my city council email. And then a few days later, I announced that I'm running, right? And then I'm going to talk about these issues. So it kind of all just, it all just meshed together well. Yeah, I mean, the thing <laughs> is, if you if you commit to um, sort of doing the work, like we, I think we, you and I always say, it's like you're always organizing in your mind. And so when you're, thinking about a professional move or an electoral move, but you're also thinking about how, how the other ways you can lead people, inspire people, what you can do, work with the press, whatever. Talk about your own story and make it relevant and poignant for people. When you do all of that, yeah, it all kind of comes together, but it's not, it's not luck. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, know it's, you, you do stuff intentionally, and when you do it like that, it all piles up together. Right. Well, true. So before we get to the last thing, which I it's going to be fun, and we'll get we'll get Brandon here to have a little fun too. Um, let's make sure that people know how to reach you on all like the social media and the website. Carl will obviously link to all of it. Um, so if you want more information on where things are going with canvassing, how you can get involved, how you can give money, uh, what the platform really is, um, updates. There could be updates. There could be events you could go to, for example. Um, how would they find out? Want me to say? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if Brandon wanted to See, say. See, uh, uh, our friend okay. and comrade Brandon uh, Fletcher is here, uh, who's uh, assisting in this effort, but he's shy. He's a very shy guy. <laughs> yeah, no, um, we have a website that's set up. So, um, Shanae, which is Shane since kindergarten, Shane, S-H-A-N-E, Darby.org. Um, so, on there, you have the links to set up to volunteer, to donate. Um, we're also, I'm also, you can just find Shanae Nicole Darby on, so on Facebook, on Instagram, and those are the ways to get in contact with us. Um, I also have kind of like a headquarters at 2215B North Washington Street on the Concord Ave side. Um, so we're running our campaign out of there. And then I don't know if there's any other ways people can get in contact with us. Brandon. Here's what you should do. Here's what I'm going to recommend for people to do. Brandon's probably over there on the phones, looking at maps and stuff. Send a pizza over there for, to that address for Brandon. <laughs> Brandon said yes. Yeah. Send a pizza over there and be like, you know what? Way to go, buddy. That's that's how you can get involved. That's I love, I love the I love the physical office because uh, Carrie Harris had one when she was uh, when she was running against Carper, uh, and it was just to go to it during the day when the, when the campaign was on was like a pretty pretty cool rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I will say though, we have like two months, so whoever's listening, um, join the campaign yeah. if you want to see this amazing person win. Yeah, so. and and as as we said, I mean, there these races. We said it with James. We said it with uh, the whole docket of working families endorsements. These can make a huge difference. I mean, look at look at the look at the different mentality and a different mindset. Number one, number two, you see the the capitalist corporate money that's going to uh, be thrown against our comrades in Bear and Newark, uh, Medina and Eric. Um, we have the establishment Democrats at the state level are are sort of on the run, and a lot of people have been waiting for this sort of moment. So if you're not excited, you should get excited. I'm actually very excited because the slate of candidates is fucking dope. But now's the time to, to, put, our, to put our boot on Pete Schwartzkopf's neck if you catch my drift. So count, do the math, folks. You know, look at all this stuff and do the math. Okay, here's the fun bit. You ready? Okay. So part of this has to do with like if if things go the way that we that we expect and we hope and we're going to work for you uh you know you will move to Dover and represent uh your district in the House of Representatives in Dover. You will be leaving the Wilmington City Council. <laughs> now even he's already laughing. Fortunately and unfortunately. <sighs> Look, I, it's no it's no They're so gone. <laughs> body is New phone who is uh, yeah, so here, here, here's what I'll say. <clears throat> it's no, it's no secret in these in this room that, I mean, you're uh, you're 
you're out on your own there, pretty much. Mm-hmm. There's been a few people who have stepped up for a few things, and uh, and we've given them uh, shouts as, I think, was it Xanthia or somebody stepped up in, in the community thing? So you got to give people shout-outs where they, where they deserve it. But you've you've sort of stood alone in complete rejection of the corporate big real estate juggernaut, which, you know, is admirable. But <clears throat> on the other hand, the city council is just i mean when when i said it everybody just kind of laughed i mean what's going on um can you comment on specifically um why is chris johnson in qatar uh with mike brzicki what what is that um can you can you talk about like well, let's talk about that first. I yes. mean, what the hell is going on over yeah, there? So when, I feel like we have to shut the whole thing down until we can figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, so it's all about development. That's what it points back to. So we have sister cities. So I found out that we are a sister city. So they are a friendship city right now, and they want them to become a sister city. So they went to visit them because they're a friendship city that they want to become a sister city. So there's this program that exists when I, at the time I was doing my research and like there's developers and different city council people and different people from the city who serve on the board for the sister sister city program. Um, and it's throughout the world in there. So I guess we're supposed to be similar governments who we visit each other. Similar governments. Yeah. We d- I guess. I mean, <laughs> that's the notion. It's like similar. So we're supposed to well, learn you do realize that there's, there, that they have a monarchy. We're, f- we're familiar with that. I mean, yes. I guess, I guess we kind of have a, a royalist <laughs> mind. Some would call it a royalist mindset. Yeah, we we the I lion think. of the house of Carper. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's that's the that's the thought of this sister program. So that's what I got out of that because that was my question: Why are they going to the Middle East? What do we have in common with them? I do know we have a sister like, city in in Watford in the UK because we have a great friend, uh, Kieran, okay, uh, from yeah, Watford. Yeah, yeah. And so I always said, like, do you know this? And he always knew because it's actually in the park over there. And uh, so he he just was trying to figure out whether or not he could uh, pay uh, to have his buddies come uh, and just for free. And he said, since you can't do that, it doesn't matter if you're right. A sister city and or not. I asked if the city was paying for it, and they said that it actually gets paid through the sister program. So we the didn't. Sister, who funds the sister program? Yeah, we have to research it. There is a. Oh, I didn't get um, that deep into it, but it's a whole bunch of people who serve on that board. And the um, people I looked up were like developers, people with money, um, who were funding this. We're breaking news today, I feel like. <clears throat> I feel like we know. I know several journalists who would be interested in this sort of information. Because <coughs> I'll tell you what, seeing that photo of uh, Przicki, uh you know, with the ceremonial shovel, turning over the ceremonial dirt, uh, with Chris Johnson in the background, and just like eight or nine, like, cheeks, uh, was pretty awesome. I mean, not in a good way, but in a way that I knew I was going to be talking about it for a very long time. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, I guess in, in, in less of a joking way, like, it just seems like nothing, it's, it's just seems like, number one, it's either sort of total gridlock, or because all of the power, the real political and money power is in the mayor's office anyway, through BPG and Rego and all of that, that, <clears throat> that it doesn't really matter. Like, Przicki will do with executive power whatever needs to be done, like with the cops and stuff, and then that's it. And so... You're either you're either on the junket like Chris Johnson to you know to the Gulf. Um, you, I mean, you kind of have to play ball, or you're or you're out on an island, sort of like you are, because this the council seems like they're just completely impotent. Yeah, I I think they're. I think a lot of things need to happen outside of the city to get things done in the city, and I think a lot of organizing for 2024. So I have not abandoned. The city at all. I am focused on 2024. I'm um, talking to different people who are interested in running for office and trying to come up with a pack. I don't think we did that in 2020 when I ran. It wasn't a lot of coalition or pack building. I think that if we do that for 2024, we can try to shift the narrative. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just sort of disappointing. So we, I forget that I don't even remember. It was it's such a minor victory. I don't even remember what the specific detail was, but it was 
um, Cheyenne Miller was in here talking about some housing thing at the city, and in some committee, um, Nathan Field voted the right way. And I got so excited because I'm like, that's my guy, Nathan Field. He did something good because <laughs> I'm not really used to it. Like, I got real excited. I don't, like, I wish I, I wish I could remember the details, but it was water, something. It was to bring your water bill out of committee. Okay. Is that what it was? Oh, yeah, For he seniors. did vote, yes. Okay. So there you go. So I was, but, but it was oh, just like this little, this little, this little win. Uh, I just feel like, I, I don't know. I mean. He is 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 there any is there any hope for some of these spots? I mean, I I know you're recruiting and you're trying to get some organizing together. Um, you know, if you know, hopefully you're you're in Dover to sort of replace you and get people running. Um, but that dynamic between the mayor and council, I mean, that's that's going to be a tough one to break. I mean, like the next mayor would be sort of important. Um, because it's going to be a either handpicked, hand like literally handpicked versus somebody else. So I think that that could play a big role. I mean, I, I, do you think that the, the the mayor the mayor could run this city? I think without the council. Yes, definitely. But yeah. he does not need the council. He could run it if he wants to. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's, it's sad, and we just allow it. It is sad. Yeah. And we just give him the power. Like, over and over, I'm like, how do we just allow this? Like, with the ARPA funding. Like, how are we just okay with he makes the only decisions on how that money gets spent? I guess going, to, Cut, going to Doha Cutter now actually makes a lot more sense. Like, their, their government is very similar to ours. Yes. It makes no sense to me that he has so much power and, like, and I was talking about, like, you know, when this government started, they created, well, after, you know, the first um, government we had failed, they said we wanted to create a government where there was checks and balances. So that's why they created the three branches. There's no checks and balances. And we basically, we're only two branches, but there's no checks and balances between the executive and the legislative branch. There's none. It seems like the only check on the city is the state legislature. That's it. That's really it. Somehow there's always like a, there's always a wrinkle. Of like some state or county thing that gets caught, but it's not within the city. You know, it's always some outside. Well, just like the education, like it's always just the outside school districts all kind of take their little piece. And so, while while Przicki has quote unquote absolute power to rule, his rule is still in a narrow lane. It's like real estate development and the cops. So Pretty within much. that, within that. He can sort of do whatever. But outside of that, he kind of can't. And so that's why he's always lobbying like eminent domain or trying to go, you know, trying to sneak a couple fat, you know, a couple quick ones by you. Because, yeah, in certain in, in certain sectors, he's basically a sovereign king. Yeah. Or at least, a, you know, a representative of, you know. BPG. Yeah, he's <clears throat> super arrogant. Um, I know. Sitting, it's it's. I That's why stop. it's funny to like he. I guess he doesn't understand. Like, I probably aggravate him. And luckily, I live in Wilmington, and I don't own a car, so I run into him just kind of walking around. But I go out of my way to make him feel bad. And one of the reasons I go so far, even further than Car- uh, Carney, even further than other people that I don't like, Carney. Sometimes I leave alone. Um, because he is such an incredible prick to people, just in the way that he acts, the way that he carries himself, he's a despicable person to me. As me, I'm just saying for me. And so, he brings it on himself. I use that in my algorithm to go at him hard whenever I can and make him feel bad, because he just seems like a jerk, which is funny, because he really what his job is is to front this sort of development conglomerate. That was what his job was at the riverfront for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Is like you're the chairperson of this sort of operation, so you're you're going to the meetings and presenting the thing and telling your football story. And, bah, 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 bah. and so that's all you do, you just do that. So I don't know why, why, what he thinks he, he gets off on, on just that, but he seems to. I, I don't know how you can act like that and be like a... Maybe somebody else sells it. Like, I don't know um, some of those other people. Like, I don't know, like, 
Rago and uh, hair or the Buccini's. Like, I got this. I think the Buccini's are pretty smooth, right? They're like smooth operators, so they're more like the sales people. They probably they probably go and do like the powerpoints, and then he just negotiates like the he just negotiates with Chief Tracy or something. I mean, it could be. I mean, you've—I'm sure you've met the Buccinis. I've only met them twice, and I yelled at them both times. Yeah, I, I met them one time. It was informal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really say much. I just watched and observed. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with you? What are you doing, Brandon Fl- uh, Fr- Fletcher? Everyone, we already have. Uh... I am doing a lot right now. Trying to get my friend Shanae Darby elected right now is priority, though. So we are organizing, getting ready to hit the doors and make the calls to get the numbers to win. Brandon so. should run for office, but he's not old enough. Yeah, I'm not old they enough. They need to lower the age. Look, look, it's all you said it you said at the beginning. <clears throat> Everybody's doing something. Mm-hmm. You're doing this. The organizing. Carl's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's, Carl seems to be doing quite a bit. I'm doing whatever it is this is. You'll get there. We all need to, you know. I just like to get good people elected to office. I believe I, believe I said I would support you for mayor. I think I'd I run did. for mayor. I think, I, I think we can. But we I think we did that once. That too, we could do that right? again. That was fun I'll the first time. I'll have to run like 2032 or something. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks, everyone. Um, Definitely check out those links. This is another one of a big set of primary challenges coming up that are that could really be the game changer. Could I mean I know it's a lot to ask because it's a full it's a full docket of great candidates, Um, but if we keep pushing the same direction, um, this this could be the the, the death blow in the house for us, Uh, and we win. And we win because left is best. <laughs>